good, man. Had a, a fun week in sports. Uh, watched Draymond punch a guy in the face. Shohei, Shohei Otani cashed in the bag. It was, a, it was a eventful, yeah. I, I almost good. put on a. I have this LA Dodgers shirt. It's just like a graphic tee. <laughs> I don't care about MLB really. I almost put it on in honor of him, in honor of what's going to be like Shohei. You want to, um, you know, throw me a million or a couple, a couple mil. <laughs> Change my life won't change yours. Well, that's all I'm saying. He's gonna need those millions until he until the ten years yeah. is up. Yeah, that's that's deferred under, all that's, of it. That's a tax evasion at his finest. <laughs> so, yeah. So we got a we got a good episode planned today. We're gonna talk uh, the recent ruling in the NCAA, um, as well as SoCon hoops. As always, uh, maybe we'll get a little bit outside of the SoCon today. Um, because it's a slower time of the year. If you're back, we appreciate you for coming back. We had our little hiatus here. We're both, uh, I'm officially, I think, graduated. Matt's got one more semester left. I say I think. I, I did turn in a few papers. I mean, the due date is the due date. That's one thing I'll teach, you know, all those who come after me. That's no need to do it ahead of time. Um, shortcuts. That's how, that's how I do it, so. We're still waiting on a few uh, grades. I would have to flunk somehow, but um, who knows? We'll see. So, um, yeah. So let's uh, let's start off here. New ruling uh, yesterday that two-time transfers are now immediately eligible. Um, I do find it funny. Everyone in the world, like. Um, and an account on Twitter's pointed this out a little bit too. Like this could be a trouble in the future. All these attorney generals and stuff of these states, like, oh, their school has a player who's not eligible to play. Or the hilarious, oh, we're investigating the college football playoff for not putting Florida State in. That's the funniest thing ever. Um, that stuff that oh, the NCAA doesn't rule, so our team is benefiting. We're gonna sue you. <laughs> That's hilarious, and that could be a problem in the future. But this, I do think, is legitimate. Uh, one here, so so basically, a West Virginia judge or whatever put a 14-day temporary restraining order on the on the NCAA, and so now all NCAA, all of college basketball, football, I guess the football portal to start, they're all immediately eligible. So two-time transfers. I mean, so that's big. In the case of Trey Bonham, uh, transfer from VMI to Florida. Then he played a lot at Florida early in the year, kind of slowly started to see his minutes dwindle. Now he's came back to play for Dan Earl at Chattanooga. Was going to be a big piece. I mean, I've been talking about all year how Chattanooga is going to be scary next year if they bring back Huff, Bonham, and Che. Now they're going to have him right now. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the potential of Trey Bonham, but let's start here first. And a lot of people are saying, because it's a 14 day restraining order, they're meeting again at the end of the month to, I guess, revisit it or make a really, another final ruling or push it back. We don't really know. And I think a lot of this is going to be schools going to like legal teams and stuff. And like, what do you think we should do? But there's a fear from a lot of people, and I think like McNeese State last night, I don't think they played – they have a couple of players 
who are two-time transfers that were waiting on a waiver and they were just like, all right, you got to play next year. I think they didn't play their guys. Or I know that was what I saw the plan was. I didn't look at it or I didn't watch that game. Unfortunately, I didn't feel like it, but there's a fear from people and they're kind of just going to listen to their legal teams that these guys can play, are going to play for these 14 days. And then the ruling is going to get overturned or the NCAA is going to be like, no, we're in the right. They're going to win that. And then they're going to be like, all right, if you played in those 14 days, a, you have to vacate your wins or something or B, well, that's it for eligibility for that year, which in all we'll get into that is ridiculous. But first, let's talk about let's talk as if Trey Bonham is eligible. Um, how that changes? What What do you think for Chattanooga with Trey Bonham? How does that change your outlook on them? You know how good they can be or whatnot. I think it's big for them right now because I mean we've seen. You know that freshman slump is hitting Miles Che pretty hard right now. He, uh, you know, he was hot to start the year. He's kind of coming back down to earth, and you know, Trey Bonham is obviously a, a very skilled guard, and he can help that team win. But I, it's it's going to be hard for Dan Earl to navigate. You know, all three of those those guys, and then you have Noah Melson also off the bench who who Earl seems to like, and I just I don't know how that's going to work. For them, Rudy Fitzgibbons too. Rudy Fitzgibbons too, right? I don't know, like, if it's worth it for them to, you know, stick him in there. But assuming he's eligible, he obviously makes your team better, and and you know, you get some more experience, solid guard play from a high level guy and Trey Bonham. So, you know, we'll see what what Dan Earl elects to do there. So this is this is how I've always kind of viewed. Trey Bonham is like older honor Huff, really. Like they're similar players. Obviously for BMI, that's what they were for the longest time was Jake Stevens and a bunch of undersized scoring guards. Um, and so you think of them probably as just another honor Huff out there and maybe, maybe potentially even better. Obviously he put up some good numbers at Florida, which is impressive. Like against good teams. I can't, I don't have the box score from last year, the whole season. Um, but I remember, I watched him some just because interest in the SoCon players, what they were doing. Um, same with like Camden Kerfman. Kerfman, I watched him when he was at Marshall. He still is actually. Um, but put up some good numbers, and I think he's really going to help him if they decide to play him. And I'm, I really hope they do. And I'll get into that here in a second. But I think he really will help with. They've really been having lulls, and like you said, Miles Che has not been the. 24 points or 22 points against Louisville miles J he's been very much in a freshman slump doesn't look um, really aggressive out there maybe just not having nearly the impact he had on games early in the year and and let me say too that his performances then were not a fluke Louisville looks horrible let's get that straight Kenny Payne probably is we may have this episode released later today, and Kenny Payne may not be the coach at Louisville anymore. I'm surprised <laughs> it hadn't been announced yet. But Louisville, they almost beat Texas. Like, they were – you know, that game against Chattanooga, they definitely looked lost, but they were still good. Like, they were still a, a team that I've seen some people say they wouldn't win the SoCon. Louisville would compete to win the SoCon, just their pure talent in general, like, oh, yeah. regardless of what you want to think. And Miles Che was giving those dudes buckets. Sky Clark, who is – Given bucket, Sky Clark is a former five star and still a good player, all things considered. 
it wasn't a fluke, but he's really hit a slump. And I do think it may help him even more if uh, Trey Bonham comes in and takes that weight off his shoulders. Like, all right, you're in the Brody Robinson role of last year where you're coming off the bench and just being a spark for us. And I think that could really help him, you know, coming in and being – I'm trying to think of a good example of a player like that that just doesn't have that weight on their shoulders. I, th- I can actually – exactly. Think Kentucky, if you watch Kentucky at all, like a Rob Dillingham or a, or a Reed Shepard, how they are. They're coming off the bench and just provide a spark because they're so talented. And Reed Shepard has recently showed, like, doesn't matter that he's coming off the bench. Like, coming off the bench or starting, he's really good. And they're obviously really talented players. But I think that could help Miles Che a lot, especially as a freshman, that weight of, all right, you're our point guard. You got to run the show all this off that sh- off his shoulders and where he's maybe not the most important, one of the most important players out there that could really help them. And then it especially will help the team in general offensively when honor Huff is getting, you know, 16, he's one of the top in the nation um, consecutive games, 16 or more. But like you said, last episode, it's almost empty. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it feels like he's leaving stuff out there. You don't, you feel like he could play better. And I think having another guy like that, that may be on and off, may take some questionable shots at times with their confidence while you have him out there, have another guy like that out there really will help their offense a lot, um, just having those scoring guards. So in saying that, do you look at Chattanooga with Trey Bonham? We both, I think we both picked him to finish fourth, and we probably don't totally feel – you know, we don't we definitely don't. I definitely don't feel the same about really any team that I talked about mm-hmm. then. Obviously, now we've seen them. What do you think finishing wise? Say they have Trey Bonham now. Where do you think they can finish in the SoCon? Well, I think we both picked them to finish above UNC Greensboro, and yeah. now UNC Greensboro looks like the best team in the conference. I still think they're they're in that top five. I probably put them at five still. I don't know how much better Trey Bonham makes them. That's crazy considering how we thought about them early in the year. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Furman hasn't looked great. I I don't know that I'd take them over Furman still. Um, I would would still put them somewhere in that four to five range, assuming that he's eligible. But you talked about bringing Miles Che off the bench. That would kind of start with how Miles Che would take that, like, if he he buys into it, True. and I know I don't I don't know much about Miles Che as a person, but you know he would have to buy in and accept that new role. You know, I mean, what happens if you if you move Miles Che to the bench and two weeks later Bonham is ineligible, and you know you've you've kind of hurt the confidence of of a freshman in Miles Che, and then you're like, okay, you got to start again. Like we need you again. You know, it it just depends how he takes that, but. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Trey Bonham affects how I see the conference going that much, but they're definitely still better than, you know, your Wofford, Mercer, all those other teams. Yeah, so I kind of agree with you, and I think it's more about everyone else than it is Chattanooga. Because if you told me preseason Trey Bonham's playing for Chattanooga, I'd move him probably into that top three group. I would really think about it or maybe into that first tier of where I would maybe have four teams and UNCG below them, which obviously isn't the case now. UNCG has been awesome. And we'll, that's what we're going to talk after this church portal talk here. Um, But I I just, 
I just have been kind of disappointed in Chattanooga recently. Defensively, they've been bad, and maybe, and who knows if that really helps anything else. Adding another small guard, Bonham, but offensively, they've also struggled at times. Really gone cold, and I'm super impressed with the consistency that Western Carolina and UNCG have showed. And I don't know that, like you said, it moves them over Furman or even a Sanford. And Sanford, we'll talk about them later. Who knows what they are? They've played like all of the worst teams in college basketball after a really tough start. <laughs> but I, I think it's a lot more to say about the rest of the SoCon. And if Bonham comes back, that top five in the SoCon is as good as most mid-major conferences in basketball. That's really fun. It's going to be some really fun conference play when we get into that. So I'm going to continue on the transfer portal talk here. I want to talk about um, the potential people will sit out. People think um, – even though this restraining order or whatever has been put on, people think you're going to lose wins. Basically, they're going to make you vacate them, or players could uh, be declared ineligible. And then, all right, well, that's a year. You know, Trey Bonham, you've only got one year left of eligibility, even though you only played 14 days. So, A, I think there's no way in the world, and I think this case is exactly why, in all the cases recently, that players who play for these 14 days are going to lose eligibility. You know why? Because Raekwon Battle at West Virginia, who's probably the catalyst of all this, he's going to play in these 14 days. And if they, if he plays and then they, you know, take away, there is no yeah, shot in the world like they're going to crazy. take away a year of his eligibility without a fight. Like these, mm-hmm. they're going to have, West Virginia is going to have so many attorneys <clears throat> and they're going to have so many lawsuits whatever that's all that people were doing right now and that's probably a problem um that we just think we can sue the ncaa for everything and i mean the ncaa is pretty corrupt so it is a problem but it isn't at the same time like they don't care about the athletes like they act like they do but i don't think there's any shot you know people keep saying that oh well they don't want to potentially waste a kid's year of their eligibility i don't think there's any shot that the ncaa is going to be able to do that and not be killed for it slash sued for it. So that's my first thought on it. Even And that's ridiculous in the first place that, you know, if a judge says you can play and then they come back. Secondly, I want to talk about the transport rule in general. And this is kind of relating to the case. If you think, do you think unlimited transfers should be allowed? And I've got thoughts on this too, because right now it's just one transfer. And then if you graduate, you can transfer again. What are your thoughts on that? You know, just in general, do you agree? Cause that's essentially what this case has done is if it stood and everything today, you're going to be able to transfer whenever you want. Um, I still don't think you can play in the middle of the year. If you transfer, you played already somewhere, but you can play anytime whenever you want. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think you should be able to unlimited? I, I, I'm totally against because, you know, you kind of said before we started recording is like, if you have to transfer three times in your undergrad and then another time as a grad student, go find a job. Like, like the school is not the problem. You are probably the problem. But, you know, you have cases like, like Trey Bonham was at VMI, Dan Earl left, and he thought, you know, he could take the step up to the SEC. You know, he, he played well, and then he kind of – his minutes slid down, and he didn't fit. So he wanted to come back down to the SoCon with, and play with Dan Earl again. And now he's 
kind of getting punished for it. So I don't think there's, I don't think it's as white and black as, you know, people might think. I think it needs to be looked at on a, on a case by case basis, but I mean, you should not be able to just transfer after every single season because at that point you, you may not belong in college basketball. I agree. And uh, I can't even explain how proud of you I am uh, for saying, go get a job. That's my go-to phrase for uh, old college basketball players. Job, and so this man. is my, that's one thing I have written out here. Age limit. Let's get an age limit in sports. I don't want to see um, Jordan Brown playing for Memphis, and who knows if he'll play anymore. He has some some sort of drama, something going on. He's like 27. Dude, I don't want to see 27-year-olds in college basketball. That's not – I don't want to see the old Australian punters. Like, I got like 36-year-olds punting from Australia for college teams. <laughs> That's not college. So I don't care if you haven't used – eligibility or if you've gotten hurt all these years and transferred and took a red shirt and you're in your seventh year of eligibility. Like I think Kentucky football had like a seventh year back this year at running back. Dude, job. We gotta stop. We gotta stop with having guys this old in in college sports because yeah, they're good players. That's because they're not supposed to be in college anymore. And they've had all these extra years to develop. But Back on this, I think a waiver system that coaches play a big part in needs to be had. So I'm always going to be good for the one transfer and always going to be good for graduating. I think incentivizing graduating, you can transfer after you graduate, that's good. I think because ultimately the goal, I'm putting this in quotes here, the goal of college sports and college is to graduate and move you on. Not that many players play professionally. So if you graduate from a school, sure, you can go somewhere else. Even if it is like a situation where you're really good and you just want to go get a paycheck at a higher school. I think that's – you got your degree from that school. You know, at the end of the day, you got – you ultimately did what you're supposed to do. So that's already what's in place. You can transfer once if you graduate. That should always be allowed in my opinion. But – Maybe, just maybe, I think a waiver system should allow, and like you said, a case-by-case basis. So I think like this. Let's think with Chattanooga. Um, say Kristen Corsalt last year, say he didn't graduate, which he did, so he could transfer anyway, but say he didn't. Do you think Chattanooga, and I love, I, that's a good dude, but do you think they're that upset that he's not playing for Chattanooga this year? Mm-hmm. No. They're not. He would have played, but they're not. And I think Dan Earl would have said, you know, you get if he say he was in a situation where he wasn't a graduate and he could didn't have a, his free transfer. You think he would have said, no, this kid shouldn't play next year. No, you know, it's kind of a player didn't totally fit their system. They're OK with that guy leaving. I think if a coach is OK with a kid leaving, that should be part of the waiver process. Now, if it's a case, you know, I'm trying to think of a a good case where people leave in the middle of the year. Like, I mean, honestly, probably the, um, I'm trying to think of the name, the kid at Louisville right now, there's a kid, they had this whole thing where yesterday he hasn't been with the team all year. He's a Juco transfer yesterday. They announced he was transferring and he's been at like games sitting in the stands. He's not even like with the team. They announced he was transferring. And then he goes on Twitter and he's like, I never announced, or I never told anyone I was transferring. 
And basically it was, they dismissed him from the team and just out of courtesy said he was going to plan to transfer. And so then they had to say he was dismissed from the team today. Long story, hilarious story. Louisville's got so many problems. But I think if that's the case, like a case like a guy was dismissed, I doubt Kenny Payne and Louisville want that kid to be eligible at the next school he goes to immediately because he didn't leave a good mark. And if that's the case, that can be part of the waiver system. And that you know leaves your school on bad terms or was a big contributor, was set to be a big contributor the next year, and just wants to leave. Think um, – I can think there were rumors about Antonio Reeves, who was averaging like 19, 20 points a game at Kentucky. There were rumors about him trying to go to another school this past year because he wasn't, I mean, he just wasn't a huge fan of how he was used, which was crazy to me, but he's clearly set to be the leading scorer for Kentucky and he was trying to leave and he ended up not, but if he hadn't left and he was just trying to leave to leave, he hadn't graduated yet. I'm okay with, with being like, no, you're not going to go play somewhere else. Because that's where it gets ridiculous. But I think in cases where this guy's not a good fit, he's not going to play here, Trey Bonham. Trey Bonham got right. moved out of the rotation at, at Florida. And from all things I have heard, I'm obviously not in the situation. I haven't talked to Trey. But just national media, what I've heard about, they, Florida lost a ton of players this offseason. It kind of sounded like they just kind of cleared house. They were like, all right, let's just get rid of everyone except for a couple players here. Um like, we wish you the best, but we want to restart here, if that's the case. And then, obviously, the SoCon's got the whatever, uh, their own rule, and that's why he probably went to Florida in the first place. But but exactly, if that's a case like that, I, f- I feel like Florida, and I think it's Todd Golden this there. I'm, I'm totally blanking on who the coach is, but I think that's it. I'm sure he would say, yeah, I'm okay with Trey playing it at Chattanooga this year. Right. And that's that's my ultimate thoughts about it is that, it should be. It should all, all obviously all be confidential, and there can be reasons why. But if the coach from the school you left is like, yeah, I, I mean, he wasn't a fit, or we were just kind of like, you know, it's probably best for us to part ways. And it wasn't on bad terms. It was something like they're all okay with you leaving. You know, they're still cool with you, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't see why we're punishing kids in places they're not wanted. I can think right. when I was, you know, on a lower level when I was in high school, I. I wasn't playing and I deserved to play when I was a senior. I, I played later in the year, but I wasn't playing nearly as much as I probably should have. And I was miserable there. I just imagine in college athletics, you know, if you're somewhere like that, that mm. you don't want to play, why are we keeping players places they're, you know, not going to play and not wanted? Now, right. I think it's different with players that play big roles and have a big role the next year and just leave to leave, especially when it's their second or third time. That's the case that I'm not, I'm not okay with. And I think obviously – Case-by-case basis. You said it perfectly. I just don't think it's that. I think we're making it way harder than it is and trying to make everything uniform. When in reality, some players just should be able to, you know, leave if they are not wanted somewhere, not a fit. The coaches are like, yeah, you know, you're not going to play a role that probably is something that you would want here, and we're okay with you leaving. There's no reason not to do that. And that's, by opinion, maybe that's not loved by a lot of people. Yeah. But we got to move with the times. And it's not – it is partially free agency in sports. Yeah. But Especially these schools don't NIL own the players. and everything like that. Yeah, these schools don't own mm-hmm. the players. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know why people keep thinking that. That Why do you want players to stay at schools when they don't want to be there? It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's yeah. just such uh, a poor, I, poor opinion to me. You know, one idea 
is, um, you know, if the NCAA is so about guys graduating and all this kind of stuff, maybe, you know, you raise the minimum GPA for a, a two-time transfer, right? Maybe instead of whatever it is, a 2.2, something like that, maybe you say they need a 2.7, what, like whatever it is, you know, if a, if a guy is showing that he's putting in the effort in school, he's not problem co- excuse me, problem, causing problems on the team, he's showing up every day doing what he's supposed to do, let, I mean, let him hit the portal because it, it would be clear then that the kid is not the problem and, you know, he's just looking for a new fit elsewhere. Exactly, and my last thing is any advice to any players, if I had a son who was going into college and was a player, shoot for graduating three years. There's no, I just, I just graduated in three and a half years and it was the easiest thing ever. I didn't give myself even a decently hard class load. Like any of like, I don't think I went over 16 hours in any of my, mm-hmm. and if I added one more class, especially like this semester, I took like some online criminal justice class that was so easy, like just stuff like that. There's so you can take an extra class and graduate a semester too early. There's no reason not to shoot for Trent for graduating three years in three years. If you can now, obviously some people are taking big majors, but a lot of college athletes are not a lot of college athletes are taking easy majors and just, you know, they're there to play sports. There's no reason not to do that. And in, and in the case that you do graduate in three years and you still want to be there, Oh, well you can get your masters and get that paid for. Like, you know, there's no there's no reason not to shoot for that. And and I agree with you that graduating still needs to be a thing. And I and I like the idea of uh it's kind of raising the GPA. So let's move on to really some SOCON talk now. Yeah. After, <laughs> after that, which which I think I think that's a worthwhile conversation there, especially right. does affect affect Trey Bonham there with Chattanooga and then and then the league in general is going to be a lot better if if he is able to play. We'll talk about UNCG who maybe they're the best team in the SoCon. Um we're, we're kind of I'm kind of getting on that uh that point there. They got a big win over um over EKU the other day. Let's start with that. Did you watch that game? Um any thoughts on that? If not, I also have some thoughts on it. Yeah, I tuned in when that one went into overtime. I was uh, I was a little busy, but I mean, they that was just an impressive win for them. They they were trailing the entire game. Keyshawn Langley doesn't hit a field goal all night, and they still just find a way. I mean, they get stops when they need to. Atwell is finally starting to to emerge offensively. Macal Brown Jones might he he's almost looking like the best player in the SoCon. I'm still going to give it to Woolbright. He's, he's, he does it every single night. But when Brown Jones is dominating, I, I don't know if there's a player in the Southern Conference that can stop him. And then, you know, Keyshawn is having a tough night. You know, it happens. Kobe steps up when it matters most. Yeah, I mean, he stole his powers, I guess. <laughs> Kobe comes in with four seconds left in overtime and hits a left-handed floater going right over two defenders. I've never seen him. Like, a month ago, he's probably passing that ball. But, you know, they they have the right guys to step up when they need to to win. And it, it was maybe their mo- – well, they, they beat Arkansas. But 
it was up there as their one of their most impressive wins of the season. Yeah, let me say about that last shot by Kobe Langley. That was a horrible play. They called a timeout and drew, and drew up, that up something. <laughs> I watched it. I was like, I wanted them just to play play with it like before the timeout. They had it. I was like, all right, just run a screen and roll here and you know, get your two guys that, that night, <clears throat> Kobe Langley and and uh MBJ. I was like, just let them work. I, I like that a lot of times. Call a timeout. What do they draw up? Just like I was like, what? What, did, what are we doing? It didn't even look like a. There was nothing there. Maybe someone ran it wrong, but credit to him. That was a great play, and you know, it ended up just being all right. Let me just drive and take a contested floater, which is a tough shot, but also that's a look you live with. Um, but yeah, I was like, what? What do you even draw up there? Um, but let me say this: I have the same thing as you. I said. MBJ has a player of the year case. He has been so freaking consistent, dude. He's averaging 19.8 points, 7.4 rebounds per game. He's shooting 58% from three on the year. Monster, dude. 58%. I, he's awesome, dude. And mm -hmm. I do agree with you a little bit. Woolbright has also been so consistent and We'll talk about Western Carolina a little bit, but I think he's probably still the front runner. But dude, he's been awesome. And that's funny because we came into the year probably thinking Keyshawn Langley was going to be the guy. You know, I thought MBJ was a good player, but I did think I didn't have him in that top tier of players. And that's not a mm -hmm. shot at him. That's just more of a, you know, I thought that Woolbright, Foster, those, you know, um, Marshall. Yeah. yeah, Marshall. I just thought they were probably a step above. But he is just imposing his will night in and night out, both offensively. I mean, offensively, he's so much more of a complete player than I remember him being last year. I mean, mm -hmm. can score, you know, his jumper looks pure, obviously shooting almost 60%. He's so physical. I knew he was physical before. Um, I don't know what SoCon I, – I, you know what? I'm going to be excited to watch him and Jermaine Marshall go at it. That's going to yeah, be – yeah. The most there may be a couple flagrant fouls. Especially, it's gonna be the most uh, physical game ever. Especially Marshall was both of our, I believe, both yeah. of our defensive player of the year picks. So I mean that that's gonna be a fun matchup. Yeah, he's but he's been unreal. Um, that win over Eastern Kentucky was impressive. Um, I think Donovan Atwell, like you said, and I tweeted this the other day. Is he just he's just Michael Porter Jr. for the SoCon? <laughs> Donovan never swing the rock at well. Never swing the rock. Yes, that's that's hilarious. But it also it's kind of true. He kind of is. You know, mm -hmm. maybe that's why I like him because I like Michael Porter Jr. a lot. Maybe I like him because he reminds me of him. But yeah, he's just you know he's catching to shoot that thing, and it, it's crazy how hot he's been getting. Um, I, I'm trying to go. I'm trying to pull up the final stats of that game the other night that he had 24. I think he was like eight for 10 from three, like something ridiculous. <laughs> Let me, let me see it. Was this was this this game? Oh, it was Eastern Kentucky. My bad. I thought it was another game. Eastern Kentucky, eight eight for twelve from the field, eight for ten from three. Twenty four points, zero assists. There it is, <laughs> zero assists. Bro, I love it. That's that's I love that. That's that's real hoops. I'm out here. His I'm getting role, mine. His role is that's his role. Yeah, others. his role is to create for yeah. Donovan. Yeah. Yeah, and he and really 
really and truly, if he's just gonna, you know, catch and shoot and really be that lethal at time and be able to get that hot, you live with him being like that. So oh, yeah. I am totally I'm team Donovan Atwell is my core junior. Let's push that narrative. That's awesome. And then finally I'll say, and we've talked about this a little bit, I think they're my top team in the league right now just because of the consistency. Um, actually, let me let me rephrase that. I have 1A, 1B in Carol- Western Carolina and UNCG, which is crazy because I wasn't quite as high on UNCG coming into the year. But Mikel Brown-Jones has changed my opinion a lot with how good he's been because he's a legit – he's a star. He's, you know, in that top tier of SoCon player. And they've shown they can win without Keyshawn Langley um, playing well, and he's been hurt a few times. They've Mm -hmm. really impressed me, and I think their defense and the style of play that IBJ plays, where it's not, you know, a honor huff where he's got to get real hot from three type of style of play, I think that is consistently going to be there, and he's shown it all year. You know, they're they're going to be one of the more consistent teams all year they can win in so many different ways. Like, you know, a team like Samford where they're, where Samford wants to pick up the pace and sub a lot of guys, you know, they have the capability to, you know, slow that game down, you know, just play five or six guys if they have to, and, you know, win in a a game in the sixties, or they can speed it up against other teams and win a game in the nineties or eighties. So they're very impressive to me so far. All right, so let's let's move on to Western Carolina. And let me see here. This you one's on me, guys. It's on me. I just put the losses, put Jay Gold Hoops, Jack Gold, my record, 0-2. This is on me. Those two losses Western Carolina had is 100% on me. It's hilarious that it happened. You know, I last episode I said, hey, Western Carolina – don't want to get too far ahead, but they could be undefeated going to SoCon play. They can beat Vanderbilt, this and that. Well, they lost two in a row right after I said that against teams they shouldn't have lost to. Now, granted, they didn't have Charles Lampton and uh and uh, Cornelius Williams for at least one of those games. I think two. I think maybe both of those games. Let me check the the box score. I've Lampton totally you know we've had two weeks game. here. I know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. It was just one game they both missed, but mm-hmm. Lampton only played three minutes against Gardner Webb, so we'll see. But first and foremost, let me talk about the Gardner Webb game because even though they lost, that thing was unreal. Did you did you watch any of that, Mm-mm. dude? They were down like eight points with like two minutes left. I don't even remember. Woolbright just took over in the most Woolbright way ever. <laughs> what do you think he did? He got the ball. Went into the post, got fouled and won, or just babied him to the rim. He did like 15 possessions in a row. It wasn't really 15 (laughs) possessions, but it was unreal. He finished with, what did he finish with? Like 35 and, oh, I just. 14, 35 and 14, yeah. Yeah, he finished with 35 (laughs) and 14. And I promise you, dude, he was like the, he was like prime LeBron at the end of the game, dude. It was, it was ridiculous. It was the most. Most Vontarius Woolbright finish ever. Uh, and he almost wheeled him back. You know why they lost? They were down three points and they had the ball and they let Trey Jackson shoot it. They didn't give it to Woolbright. Oh, they were Lord. consistently like, oh, they probably need a three here. And Woolbright was like, oh, I'll, well, I'll just get an and one. 
he's so <laughs> unreal in the post. I, I don't understand. Like maybe the SoCon will be more prepared for him. Like the coaches that have are familiar with him. Right. But he just kept on going back to it, kept on getting the ball. It was, it was fun, and that's been a little while now. I mean, I can't remember exactly what date that was on. But they uh, they t- lost that game. They still lost it, even though I left even more impressed with how consistent their offense can be late game with a star like that. Then they don't have both their bigs. High point was really hot. Um, they played poorly. They lost at high point. Not a great loss. Neither of those are great losses for Western yeah. Carolina. But then they bounced back the other night against UNC Asheville, who's a good team. UNC Asheville is really underachieved this year. They're like five and five. They're mm-hmm. they still probably are gonna <clears throat> compete to win the Big South, but they've struggled this year overall. But that's a good win for them. They won by fifteen there. Um, Woolbright looked again, good, good again, as he always does. Kind of the reason why he's the player of the year right now, just because he's so awesome. Yeah, and that's more of an indictment on him than you know yeah. us not liking Brown Jones because I mean Brown Jones has his case, but Woolbright is just the numbers are are there for Woolbright. Yeah, no, it's he's he's they've both been unreal, and I probably wouldn't have. I'd say I thought I thought Woolbright was really awesome. I've been a big Woolbright fan. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he's been. Didn't think MBJ was going to be as good as he's been. Didn't think Marcus Foster was going to be as good as he's been. This these guys have really overachieved. It's been fun to watch, and I'm I'm interested to see. Maybe Two Bid Socon doesn't live up to his name, but I do think there's a chance if Western Carolina can finish non-conference strong. Sanford can finish strong and UNCG can finish strong and they all take care of business for the most part. And they're probably going to beat up on each other in conference play. I do think there could be a chance at the end of, you know, end of conference play where they're talking about, you know, somebody getting that large bid, probably not just because the SOCON gets no respect, but I think with how good their stars have been, or I mean, Sanford's case, They've been hurt, but Marshall's good, and they really took care of business. They haven't played anybody good since then, mm-hmm. but they took care of business. I do think we haven't, as a league, beat up on you know ruined our chances too much. I think UNCG's right. probably got the best chance, you know. So you may be rooting for them to lose in Asheville just so the SoCon can get two teams because they beat Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But I do think those three, Chattanooga and Furman, I think have both ruined their chances of getting a, you know, unless they sweep all of conference play, which isn't going to happen. They've probably ruined their chance to get an at-large bid, which is almost impossible to get in the first place. But I do find that really interesting that, you know, probably won't happen, but there's a chance with how good these stars have been and the teams in general. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll go to Furman here. Furman lost to Arkansas. Um, I don't remember if we covered Princeton last time, but they dropped to Princeton uh, 70-69, who's a really good team. They almost got them, and I think think Furman was – I think Princeton was like a 10-point favorite against Furman, which was completely underrating Furman to me. Like, they're yeah. still very good. They've just lost – they've played a credit to Furman. You know, where we talk about Sanford started off with two difficult teams and has played a bunch of cupcakes the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Furman has played a ton of really good mid-majors and hasn't really dropped their way. And maybe they were thinking, just like I've been talking, maybe they were thinking, let's get all these good non-conference wins and see if we can get it at large. So right. It hasn't worked out like that, and we'll see if <laughs> no. Bob Ritchie wants to play games like that in the future. 
But uh, we'll go to – let's talk about Furman. Did you watch uh, Arkansas? They beat Bob Jones. Um, actually, our SOCOM player of the week was Alex Williams. What were your thoughts on Furman there? Yeah, I'm just – I know they – they they were the tough loss to Princeton and they hung in there kind of with Arkansas, but I'm just a little alarmed by them. You know, uh, they come out against Arkansas and it's it's JP Pegues, PJ Smith, and then they start Heen, Alex Williams, and Tyrese Huey all on the floor together. I don't know if they were just trying to go super big and like match up with Arkansas because Arkansas is big, but. And then Cooper Bowser played eight minutes. I just, I don't know, like, I don't know if Bob Ritchie knows what he's doing or he's trying to figure out all the lineups. Like, he's he does have a lot of guys, like, obviously, but I don't know that he is finding a rotation that, you know, is going to work to their benefit. So I'm a little alarmed by them. But then, you know, they don't look that bad. Like, they their losses are all good losses, whatever that means. But I mean, they just don't seem to have like their identity yet. And they're still in a lot of games. Yeah. They don't seem to be uh gelling, I guess, quite like you would want them to, but I agree with you. They just have a bunch of guys like their big room. Heen's good. You know, whatever. Huey's good. You know, none of them are stars that you feel like, you know, or, you don't. I don't feel like any of their bigs are their best players, if that makes sense. They're all fine and serviceable. I think Cooper Bowser has a lot of potential. One day, he looks really young. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm not. I'm not his biggest this year fan. I just think he looks kind of uncoordinated, young. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not a shot. I think he's got a lot of potential to be a really good player one day. And you know, I can't remember what they said. His wingspan's like seven foot something, I think they said. Um, insane wingspan. You can tell, like seven, eight or something. Super athletic. He's got a lot of potential to be good one day. And they've certainly showed that they can develop players and develop talent like that. But I just kind of think they, the big room is kind of confusing. And like you said, they keep starting a couple of them. I almost think when they get healthy, the best lineup going to be, you know, Pegues and and Smith probably. And then, Williams and Foster and then, you know, Heen or Bowser or Huey, whoever you want to play probably would be Heen. I think that's probably their best lineup. Um, don't want to get too much into it because they've been had Foster out. So we don't totally know, you know, had Foster had Williams out. We don't know what it will be like when both of them play, but I will say Alex Williams. Hey, I feel a little bit good about myself. I've been a big Alex Williams fan forever. He had 20 and he had 31. Obviously it's Bob Jones, but still he had 31 mm-hmm. points big against whoever you're playing but he had 20 against arkansas and looked good in that game again linebacker he's never skipped a rep he's gonna bulldoze you over like he's a hilarious player but he he's really good i think i in my notes i have alex williams is back baby you you know the matchup i'm excited for is brown jones and alex williams it's gonna beat the hell out of each other down low. Same with, same with Marshall. Maybe it's even more with Marshall and, and yeah. Williams just because they're both like undersized foremen kind of. Fight each other. So. <laughs> yeah, there probably be some punches thrown or some elbows or something. Yeah, so. Um, By the way, one last thing I want to add on the flip side of that is Gary Heen is shooting 18% from three this year. I want to leave that. 
I, I shouldn't have gave him flowers. I gave him flowers kind of early in the year. <laughs> Told him I'm sorry yeah. for hating on him a little bit, and yeah, he hasn't. Uh, Just a little tidbit of information. I you found. would hope yeah. that he. Maybe that's the thing. You hope that he would have separated himself from all the other bigs, and it doesn't feel like right. he has. And mm-hmm. one one more thing too. Does this isn't really analysis, but it does suck that they didn't have Foster against against yeah. Arkansas because they that played hurt. them pretty well. And ultimately, Arkansas's athleticism and just Arkansas's better. I'm sorry, UNCG said not to beat Arkansas. Furman should not have, but they both played them really well. Like Arkansas probably will end up being a team. Musselman does it every year. Where they're in the Sweet 16 in March somehow, mm-hmm. just because they're always super talented. He's a good coach. They yeah, play a good style of basketball, like whatever. But they had it a five point game at half. You don't have your best player. I, I think it's not even arguable at this point that Foster's been their best player this year. Does suck that he wasn't there because um, I did get, you know, a notorious Furman fan upset that I uh, said. You know, who knows if it will change the outcome of the game. But that's really what I mean. Like, it, you wish you could have seen Marcus Foster because obviously Arkansas is better than Furman. That's why I'm saying, like, if even if you have your best player, it may not mm-hmm. matter. But you do think he could have made a difference on that game, and I wish we could have seen, um, you know, they blew him, blew him away there at the end of the game. But you, I wish you could have seen a more competitive game with, you know, who knows, Marcus Foster might have got hot. I think athletically he could have competed with those guys, you know, better than Ben Vanderwall or some of those guys, just because, you know, he is the athlete he is. It would have, that would have been fun to see. That's more of just a me crying sad that I <laughs> see another, uh, another SOCON team knock off a, a power five, power six team. Yeah. So let's go to Wofford. How about Wofford, man? You know, they started off what, two and five? or something like that. Um bunch of, you know, looked all right, but kind of like we thought, you know, probably not the year for them. What do you know? They go on the road, beat MTSU by 10, beat Gardner-Webb by 25, and beat Coastal Carolina by 8. All three are not like the best mid-major teams, but they're all good programs. MTSU's mm-hmm. kind of been down this year. They're normally one of the better mid-majors. But they're all good programs. They're all probably going to finish above 500 this year. And for a team like Wofford, who, you know, we don't think is in the upper echelon of the SOCON, but they should be, you know, in that middle range and, and be a competitive team. Super encouraging. Um, did you see, you know, how they did? you have any thoughts on them? Yeah, you know, I said last week that if Corey Tripp and Dylan Bailey could have good nights, or sorry, not last week, but our last episode, yeah. that if they could have good nights at the same time, that Wofford could have something. And what do you know, you know, Corey Tripp and Dylan Bailey combined for 30 in all three of these games, and they go out and win all three of them. And then on top of that, you have Jackson Civils finding his groove, and uh, Philowich is also, you know, playing his role well. So, I mean, those are three very impressive wins. You know, Garner-Webb, beat uh, Western Carolina and Coastal Carolina beat Furman. So, I mean, those are not wins to take lightly, but, I mean, th- those are impressive for Wofford. Yeah, and I, I agree. I th- I think Wofford should be excited for the future. And that's not to say this year's a wash. Obviously, they're playing really well right now, and they're they're hot, beating some good teams on the road too, which is super impressive. 
But the fact that they return everyone who's doing, you know, unless guys transfer is exciting. And Corey Tripp's been really nice. Dylan Bailey's been nice. Jackson Civils, I like Jackson Civils a lot just as a player. I think he's just a good role player. He had a good game the other day. I do have a connection to Jackson Civils. I'm slightly biased. His his dad and my dad played together in, in college at Murray State. That's actually where Civils started was was at Murray State. He ended up coming to Wofford. So I do have a slight, I guess maybe slight bias. I am probably rooting for him a little, but I do like him as a player. I thought last year I thought he was, you know, good, pretty good athlete. Just looked like he knows how to play basketball. But they just have a lot of pieces that look promising. Um, Kyler Filowich had 15 against MTSU, which is encouraging. I think I still am higher on him than his performance has been. Um, I just think he has a good feel for the game. I think that's a lot of their team just has a good feel of the game. Um, but yeah, they're they're exciting future team. I don't I still don't think, especially with how good um, yeah, the top UNCG so heavy, and Western have looked, but. Mm-hmm. Do I think Walford could go in, you know, in conference play, beat a Chattanooga, you know, maybe upset Furman or upset Sanford, which we don't know. I don't know totally what Sanford is just because they've played some of the worst teams in college basketball. We haven't seen them against the better teams anymore. But I do I think they could, either. you know, surprise some people? Yeah, because they just have a lot of good players. They don't have anybody who's necessarily great yet. Corey Tripp, I think, is close to it. Dylan Bailey, too. They put up some numbers. Um but I think their future is exciting, and and like you said, if Tripp and Bailey can put up numbers on the same night, they can definitely compete for some wins. And you know, I, I feel like feel pretty confidently that they're going to finish, you know, sixth probably, maybe even fifth if if Chattanooga falls apart, especially if they don't get Trey Bonham, or even um, if Furman, you know, can't gel or has injury problems, or some team has injury problems. I, I can see them. Uh, mm-hmm overachieving here in, in, in their first true year of Dwight Perry. Um, we won't talk about Sanford much. Chattanooga, you know, lost to Moorhead State. Sanford's just played some horrible teams and is still playing that huge rotation. Um, I can't say about Sanford. Shout out Josh Holloway's lawyer. Right. This old case. I'm not going to get super into it, but if you want to look up on Twitter, look up the case. Um <clears throat> with job rant they've been in court it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen like like oh it hurts my brain thinking but actually i will get a little bit into it like so how would you throw a chess pass they've got job rant showing how to throw a chess pass because they're saying holloway threw the ball baseball threw it at him like then they've got a lawyer asking uh job rant are those real diamonds you're wearing and he's like oh i'm a millionaire so like She's like fair, and just all these questions are so ridiculous. I don't even know what this case. Like Jaws, like Jaws getting up on on his lawyer showing how yeah, it happened, like chest to chest yeah. with him. He, said, he shoulder bumped. He pulled his pants up. That's you know, <laughs> from where where I'm from. And then T Morant, Jaws' dad, got up there saying, "You know, my son talking about Jaws. He's not the strongest. He's kind of slight. He's not the fastest. He's just really agile." And he was saying, essentially, he was like. Josh Holloway could beat him up. He's like, that 17-year-old could beat him up. I was like, dude, your son is an NBA all-star. You're saying that this Josh 17-year-old Josh Holloway could have beat him up? Like, Josh Holloway is not some big dude. And maybe maybe he could, but I think that's hilarious. And I saw T. Rant, what he was saying. It was ridiculous. Like, you could just obviously tell he was doing way too much trying to, you know, act like Josh was in the right. And I think but at the end of the day, both of them were in the wrong. 
Yeah. I'm team Josh Holloway just because I want to be just because SoCon, but it is just ridiculous. Like, okay, we got in a fight. What job? What are we bringing guns into it? it that's just, I won't even get too much into it, but that's both ways. Y'all are stupid. Yeah. You know, that's why trash talk gets way too disrespectful in sports. So, whatever. And one final shout out shout out the Citadel. They've won six of their last seven. I still don't think they're going to do a whole lot. Um, I could see him finishing over Mercer, depending. I think Mercer's fine too, but those are just clearly the bottom three. Um, Mercer said it'll be my shout out them. They're beating teams they should beat. You know, giving people some somewhat hope. Now they play in like Charleston Southern, NCANT, NC Central, Idaho State, North Greenville. Those like none of those are like, oh wow, what yeah. a win. They're all kind of oh, you know, those yeah. teams aren't very good. But the Citadel probably isn't the best either in their you know, going out and beating all these teams. So they're at least the best of the worst. And they're probably, they're better than that. They, uh, you know, have been somewhat encouraging this year. So let's also go on to questions. And and that's a good segue into this. Um, talking about the bottom of the SOCON VMI. We're not here to hate on VMI, but we did get a question. Will they get a, a D1 win this season? And it's so sad to me to say this, but I think the answer is no, Matt, Matt, what do you, what do you think? You know, just to contradict, I'm going to say yes and give whatever VMI fans out there, I'm going to give them some hope. I think there's there's got to be a chance they catch one of these SOCON teams on a bad night, you know, in Lexington, Virginia. Nobody likes going to Lexington, Virginia. Somebody's, someone's going to screw up, and I think they're, they're going to find a way to get one win. That's a, that's a good point. Dude, I just—I mean—they beat Christendom and Clark you Summit. They played. You should hear the way that Rusty Wright describes going to Lexington, Virginia. It's his—he hates doing it every other year. I think there's—it's just one day they're going to catch somebody. And I—I I agree. Partially, I do think they've got a chance, but it's like, who's the guy that's going to get hot? You know, that's—that's that's kind of my thing with it. I don't know that I really believe – I don't know that I believe that anyone that VMI has right now, obviously Brandon Watkins is scoring 15 yeah, a game. Brandon. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that anyone there right now – like, can you tell me someone on VMI that would probably start everywhere else in the SoCon? And I just don't – like, I like Tayshaun Jackson somewhat. But he struggled mostly. He's rebounding, still playing hard. But he hasn't been the offensive player I hoped. Watkins has been fine, but – it's like somebody's got a score and nobody saw him. Right. I just I don't want to be overly like negative. But I think the SOCON's been so good. I think they could get a Mercer or a Citadel, like we're saying. But I still mm. think those teams are better than them. They just don't have it's just a almost an impossible situation. Um I'm sorry, yeah. Andrew Wilson. I really feel bad for him and I hope they do win. Hopefully I think maybe their best chance um, is this – This oh, not this upcoming game. Never mind. I'm looking at the wrong game. That's a, another non-D1. They're probably going to have a third win here soon. They're not going to beat Longwood. Longwood's like – what? Let me click, click up what Longwood is. Longwood's 11-1. and one. Yeah, they're probably not beating them. Yeah, it's just tough. Um, like I've said, it's unfortunate. 
what it is, especially in the transfer portal being how it is and they can't really take anyone. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is for them. Maybe it, honestly, I kind of do. I think basketball at some point in time probably is going to have to move down and, and maybe the SOCON's okay with them staying in as a basketball school, but I don't know what they provide. I'm trying not to be too negative about them, but I just, it, it's just an impossible, it's like an impossible situation. It's less of me about the yeah. program of EMI and more about just the landscape of college basketball. And it's how one tough of the worst it is. jobs in college basketball. It's yeah. just so tough, Grand yeah. Coach. And so, um, remainder of the non-conference schedule, which teams have the most to prove and best games in which to do so. Let's more focus on who do you think has the most to prove going into conference play these last few games? I have a, I have a few teams in mind. Who do you have? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, Chat and Samford probably. You know, Chat, we've harped on it over and over again. You know, what do you get out of the wings? You kind of still don't know what they are as a whole. And then on top of that, you have the whole trade bottom situation. So, I mean, you still don't really know who they are. You know what they can do, but, you know, you don't know what team you're going to get night in and night out. And then Samford, Samford's going to have to, I mean, I know it's McMillan style, but the rotation's got to trim down a little bit. I mean, you don't, you can't be playing 12 guys every night in the SOCON, but I mean, same thing with chat. You know, you've seen what they can be, but who are you on a, a night-to-night basis? Yeah, I agree. I think Chattanooga has got to show some promise. You know, they beat Tennessee Wesley another day. I think that was the perfect time for that game because they've been struggling. You know, let's kill yeah. some team and hopefully get some confidence yeah. back. I would like to see them look good again. They've looked pretty poor. Um, even they played Moorhead State close, and Moorhead State's really good. But – um. They didn't look good in that game to me at all, especially defensively. They struggled again. Um, I agree, Sanford. I'm excited to see them play Belmont. They've got a big game coming up there. I'm, I'm interested to see how they do against a good team again. And then Furman, I think, too. I think Furman's got – needs to win these last three games and look pretty good. Um they need to get healthy too. I think they play Tulane and, and uh, Presbyterian, if, if I'm right. I know they play Tulane. Yeah, Presbyterian's fine. Tulane's like six and two or something. I would like to see them win both of those games and win pretty pretty confidently. Um, just as mm-hmm. and and maybe even Wofford. Wofford, I don't think has anything to prove, but if they keep on playing hot, like right. you know, we'll, we'll start. I don't want to say respect them more. I already, already do respect them, but start to consider them more like, hey, they could be a top five team without help. So right. I think that's it for today's episode, unless you got anything else. I'm good. No, all right. That's it. Um, We'll see. Other than that, we appreciate you tuning in. Um, This will be posted on Twitter. You know, watch on YouTube, like it, Spotify, rate it, Apple Podcasts, whatever. We really appreciate those who keep listening to us. Um, Talk about whatever. Again, questions. Stuff you want to talk about, DM us, respond to our things, any of that. We really appreciate that stuff. And as always, um, have a good one, guys, and thanks for tuning in.